0: 18 plus.
2: And we are off another week of in defense of the Big 12. Tyler McComas in Norman, Oklahoma. Brad Kellner in Austin, Texas. And what an episode we have coming up for you. A former Texas Tech record breaking quarterback is talking trash on another school in the conference for their quote unquote recruiting weekend. Uh, we do have college football this week, believe it or not. Austin P. in Central Arkansas, which I'll be watching. Brad Kellner will be betting on it. You can probably uh, bet on that being the case. I don't know what the spread is on Austin P and Central Arkansas, but I'm sure BK's putting out his feelers to see what the the right play is this week. Oh Brian. yeah, uh,
1: I've been doing some scouting for the Governors of Austin P and the Bears uh-huh. of uh, Central Arkansas. I'm pretty sure that's where Scotty Pippin went. So yeah. maybe I'll talk to Scotty and uh, and see what intel he has for UCA for me. But yeah, you can bet if there's a, a betting line, I'm going to be all over it, Tyler. I've been. I've been waiting to get in on some college football for a long, long time. And hell, for a few months this offseason, I wasn't sure if I would have the opportunity to bet on some college football this year. So, uh, yeah, I don't care what level. I don't care what league. I have the opportunity to do so this weekend. I'll be all over
2: it. And it is 19 days away from kickoff in the Big 12. We will preview both the Kansas Jayhawks and the Texas Tech Red Raiders. But, uh, BK, let's start here, man. Really tough news late last week and into the weekend. Max Duggan had a pre-existing heart condition. He's had it all his life, and he didn't know about it until he was tested for COVID recently. Um, He is out indefinitely. Some think that that means his football career could be over. I mean, first off, this really damages the TCU, uh, 2020 TCU football team. It really, really does. But first off, I feel terrible for Max Duggan, man. Um, A sophomore who showed a lot of promise last year, could really make plays with his feet. I, I don't know necessarily if he had a top two round NFL future, but he had a chance to win a whole lot of games at TCU and there's no other way to say it, man, but this sucks.
1: Yeah, it does. It does. Now I'm glad they found this before anything really bad happened. Right. I mean, I'm with you a hundred percent. It's a huge bummer for Max Duggan. It's a huge bummer for TCU. Uh, but, uh, Yeah, I'm glad they found this once again early on before something bad happened, right? If Max Duggan were to test positive for COVID, it sounds like this is something that really could have impacted him differently than it impacts the majority of 18 to 22-year-old kids. So I'm glad they were able to find this, detect this early on, but there's no doubt it's a huge bummer for him, a guy who's worked his whole life to get to this spot. And the expectations for him were pretty high going into year two. I mean, let's not forget, you know, despite the up and down rocky freshman year that Max Duggan had, uh, he was a really, really highly touted recruit. Had a top five dual threat quarterback in the country in the class of 2019. A four star kid. There were some NFL expectations being lofted on Max Duggan a couple years down the road. People thought his ceiling was really, really high. And I know a ton of TCU fans were were expecting pretty big things from Duggan in his sophomore season. So yeah, this kid. I mean, by all by all indications, by all expectations, he was planning on having a a big year in Fort Worth this season. We talked about it in our last episode last Thursday, Tyler, TCU kind of a wild card, right? It sort of feels like the two purple teams, TCU and K-State, are the two biggest wild cards in this conference this year. And what we talked about was, okay, TCU goes as far as Max Duggan can take them, right? Because we know Gary Patterson's always going to have that defense ready to go. Uh, Their backfield, although inexperienced, is loaded with talent. They've got some good receivers on the outside, including bringing in – J.D. Spielman, the transfer from Nebraska, who's just another great weapon to help replace Jalen Rager. The question was, okay, you know, what can Max Duggan do? What kind of step can he take in year two? And unfortunately, we won't get to see it. And then talking about TCU, obviously, I mean, who knows what this means from him, right? I mean, for them, right? We weren't sure what to expect from Max Duggan, but we saw Max Duggan for an entire season in this conference a year ago. I mean, now the likely starter is uh, the Georgia transfer, Matthew Downing, who speaking of Austin P, I think his only college experience at Georgia came in a game against Austin P wow. a couple of years ago. Transferred, sat out last year so he's eligible to play this year, but I mean a guy with zero uh, next to zero experience in college football, that's obviously a, a major drop off and quarterback becomes an even bigger question for Gary Patterson.
2: Yeah, and I mean you talk about very little returning production from last year, that means TCU's going to have two Returning offensive starters, and they were going to have just four returning defensive starters. So six in total and two from an offense last year that at times was very pedestrian. Um, Again, Max Duggan had some growing to do as a quarterback. There is no doubt about it, but there's also no doubt that he was by far and away their best option and Mm -hmm. definitely their future at the position. So if TCU isn't able to line up and run the football this year, I think that they're going to have a lot of problems offensively. And Brad, with only one returning starter on offense, and they're going to be pretty good with their running backs. They've got some nice talent there. But if they can't block up front, that may be the new story now for TCU. How good is their offensive line? Because if their O-line's not good, they're not going to be able to run the ball. And again, they won't be able to uh, protect uh, Matthew Downing, who's going to be back there at quarterback this year. A lot of problems could happen with this TCU offense this year.
1: Yeah, only one returning offensive line starter, as you mentioned, Tyler, and that guy's a sophomore, right? I mean, their freshman center, Esteban Avila, started all 11 games, or 11 games last year as a true freshman. But, uh, yeah, everybody else has gone from that O-line a year ago. And, man, I hate to do this. Like, I really do. I hate to close the book on a team before the season really starts, but – I mean, my expectations for uh, of TCU just went from, okay, I think they're going to have a really good year, and I think they have maybe a chance to crash the Big 12 championship party at the end of yep. the season. You know, we gave the numbers last week. Gary Patterson, the last two times TCU has missed a bowl game, his teams have bounced back the following year and won double-digit games that next season. Also, the last time TCU had a losing year in 2016, they were 6-7, and seven, so they were 500 in the regular year, lost their bowl game. Uh, They bounced back and went to the Big 12 championship game in 2017. They won 11 games that year. So when Gary Patterson teams are down, they're not down very often. But when they are down, they're not down for long. And I kind of felt like they would have a, maybe not a double digit type of bounce back year. I mean, with only 10 games, that would have been very, very tough uh, to get to double digit wins for the Horn Frogs. But I figured they could maybe be in the seven and three type of conversation this year, but without Max Duggan, man, I mean, I I think it's a team that's going to be fighting for 500 and probably back closer to the middle of the pack in this league this year.
2: Yeah, I mean, not only this year, but I, I'm looking at the future of TCU, and I wonder if this is something that they can recover from, because you and I both think that they're going to have a really good defense this year. I don't know about you. I, I think that they're probably still going to have the best defense, talent-wise, in the conference. But all of that, at least most of it, is going to be gone after 2020, which TCU loses a whole lot of defensive talent and their are able to reload. So they'll have a good defense moving forward. But Max Duggan, like that was, that's your future. Yeah. And you, w- when you have your future at quarterback for the next three years, I mean, you still want to get a quarterback in just about every single class, but it's not as important when you think a guy's going to be on campus for three more years, there's not as much urgency. So I, unless Matthew Downing is, is the guy, and I have serious doubt that that's going to be the case. This hurts TCU for not only 2020, but it could be a couple of years until they rebound from from an injury like this to Max Duggan.
1: Yeah, you know, I'm curious what the future holds for Max Duggan, right? Like, is this just a COVID reason for why this heart condition is keeping him out? Like, if, if all of a sudden, major if, big if, we have no idea where we're going to be with COVID in 2021, but if we have this thing under control, by the time we get closer to the fall 2021 college football season, like is there a chance Max Duggan can come back and play, or is this a heart condition that is ending his college football career? Uh, that's a question, right? We're still waiting and seeing what the long-term future holds for Max Duggan, if there is a long-term future playing football for him at TCU. But, yeah, I'm with you 100%. I mean, you you banked on this guy being the starter for two, if not three more years up in Fort Worth. And I mean, there's never a good time to lose your starting quarterback, Tyler, but to have it happen three weeks before an opener and TCU is the one team in this league who's playing a really, really good non-conference opponent, right? We talked about that last week. They've got SMU, the battle for the iron skillet, the toughest Mm -hmm. non-conference game in this league. I mean, that was going to be a tough one for the Horn Frogs anyway. Now you take away their starting quarterback with only 20 or so days to prepare for that one. Uh, Man, it's going to be tough. Plus the Horn Frogs have a gauntlet to open up conference play this year it's going to be a tough, tough test for Downing. They also have a JUCO guy, Stephon Brown, on their roster as well. So maybe if things don't work out for Downing early on, they can make the change there. But, yeah, I mean, short-term, long-term, uh, this is uh, this is a big, big loss for TCU, man. Huge bummer.
2: Yeah, I hate to say it. Uh, I think they're going to start off 0-3. I think they're going to lose to SMU. I think they're going to lose to Iowa State. And I think that they're going to lose to Texas the first three weeks of the season.
1: Yeah, I mean, it is uh, it is brutal. And then they've got Oklahoma, what, their fourth conference game of the year? Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, yeah, we're, we're talking about TCU going from, once again, a team that might spoil uh, the Big 12 Conference Championship Party this year, or at least has the potential to be a wild card uh, and maybe play spoiler for somebody else this year. Uh, and then all of a sudden now the conversation kind of feels like, all right, well, what are they going to be? Can they even be competitive in this league this year. Hate to count out any Gary Patterson team, but uh, man, it feels like it's going to be tough sledding for the Horn Frogs without their QB1. Yeah,
2: no doubt about it. So uh, prayers up to Max Duggan. Wish him the best moving forward. And hopefully this does not mean the end of his football career and he can get back uh, on on the field at some point. Uh, How about this over the weekend? Now, the big story around in Norman was the Sooner Summit. And if you don't know what the Sooner Summit is, I'll try to quickly summarize it for you. Basically, Caleb Williams, who's the number one overall quarterback in the 2021 class, this is the dead period in recruiting, which means that no recruits can be on campus or have contact with the coaching staff. So Caleb Williams and his father, they organized this giant recruiting weekend where all these recruits come to Norman on their own dime and they hit all the hot spots in town. So they went to Campus Corner. They went to Main Street. They went to Top Golf in Oklahoma City. Basically, the quarterback, the number one quarterback in, in this year's recruiting class, organized a recruiting weekend like the coaching staff would. Somehow, they got to go out on the field, which has caused a whole lot of controversy. <laughs> it was a it, it was a big weekend, and Lincoln Riley sent out some eyeballs. Uh, so, looks like it paid off. But BJ Simmons, who was the starting quarterback for Texas Tech of 2003, I still think that he has the Single season record for uh, single or single season passing yards. He tweeted out last night. He said, "So OU had an unofficial, official recruiting weekend with like 25 recruits in town during dead period without any school involvement." Dot dot dot. And then you have the Jimmy Butler gif of man. What (laughs) OU fans were coming after him? And all I'm doing is reading this tweet. Okay. Mm -hmm. OU fans all up in my mentions about the recruiting tweet. For the record, I'm not big, mad, or crying more about your cute little gathering. Frankly, I don't give a shit. And nobody cares about your Big 12 titles when you get dogged every year in the playoffs and embarrass the conference. Wow. Wow, wow. That escalated
1: quickly, Tyler. (laughs) Golly. I hadn't seen that response. I saw the original tweet from BJ. I hadn't seen that clapback last night. My goodness. He says, there's a, he says nobody cares about your Big 12 titles. He says he doesn't give a shit, right? He says this is <laughs> nothing to him, and then he starts blasting Oklahoma. Well, you're the OU guy, man. Your thoughts on this? Like, I, I'm sure this isn't the first time in the history of college football or college sports or recruiting in general where this has happened, where an event like this has taken place. But, you know, I, I, I don't know uh, what the fallout from this will be. I don't know what the fallout of this could be. You mentioned the players were able to make it on the field like – I assume they have Memorial Stadium up there locked off to just anybody and everybody, so somebody would have had to conveniently uh, open up the stadium a little bit. Your thoughts on uh, on what went down?
2: Yeah, so here's here's what I think happened. I, I think that the idea in itself, there's absolutely nothing wrong with it, and I think that it is absolutely brilliant during a time like this if you have a family or families that are able to do this and come check out OU on their own. I think it's great. Now, I have no confirmation of this, but I think that obviously the coaching staff in some sort or fashion had contact with the Williams family. It's like, look, we're not going to be there. We can't be there. But this gate may be unlocked at Gaylor Family (laughs) Oklahoma Memorial Stadium if you guys want to check out the stadium, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, they they weren't there. They weren't chauffeuring them around. I I do believe that they didn't come in contact with any of the coaches, but at the same time, it's like to help out your itinerary a little bit. Here's a couple things that might help you while you're along the way. So people are calling for NCAA violations. I, I, I don't think that NCAA violations are going to come with this. Because, I I mean, I I think that Lincoln Riley is such a calculated guy that he wouldn't put themselves in that situation. And plus, OU's compliance department is, God, they are so strict. And if they let any of that stuff happen over the weekend, then, um, I mean, I I don't think if it was borderline illegal at all that OU's compliance would have let it happen. But, I mean, it is is interesting how I, I think that they are really the first major school to do this. Michigan announced quickly over the weekend that they're going to have one of these coming up in October, or or one of the Michigan's recruits did. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it it doesn't look great. It looks fishy, but I, I don't think all bias removed. I think it's more of a brilliant idea than it is a
1: petty one or one that is trying to cut corners a little bit. Yeah, a couple of thoughts here. Number one, the coaching staff definitely knew. All right. Uh, somebody on the coaching staff definitely knew that this was coming. There's no way Caleb Williams plans a weekend like this. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I
2: think they said, like, hey, if you're able to, this would be a pretty cool yeah. idea. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Second yeah.
1: second thought is, and I'm with you, I believe you 100% on the Oklahoma Compliance Department, how they want to make sure they're, they're dotting their I's and crossing their T's and they've got every base covered – Uh, There's a way to pull something like this off without informing the compliance department. And my guess is they found out about this after the fact, just like the rest of us found out about this. My guess is this was uh, kept pretty hush hush by Oklahoma as much as they possibly could, because they know that the compliance department would have shut this down, would have put the kibosh on this and prevented this from happening altogether. And my third thought is, you know, Lincoln Riley has been very proactive maybe more than any coach in college football, let alone the Big 12 Conference, when it comes to COVID-19, right? I mean, we, we've touched on this a lot during the course of this podcast. Oklahoma started voluntary workouts later than anybody else. Lincoln Riley's given quotes about how, how ridiculous it kind of feels to be starting up in the midst of this pandemic. Like It feels like he's been very anti-taking any chances, taking any risks when it comes to COVID-19. Now, this was not an official – university thing so it's not technically affiliated with him but I mean you know Lincoln Riley could have shut this thing down if he really wanted to and I I figured with the way he's handled COVID he probably would have said hey Caleb you know let's I love the idea I appreciate this you're obviously trying to help us out on the recruiting trail that's awesome but let's maybe wait uh, a couple of months before we do something like this so you know that the fact that somebody is doing this is not a surprise at all. I almost think it's genius on Caleb's Caleb Williams's part, right? I mean, players are better recruiters, recruiters than coaches are. Coaches are great recruiters, but... Especially big-time quarterbacks. Yeah, so exactly. Sure the, best the best recruiters yeah. in each recruiting class are players, big-time players and big-time quarterbacks in particular. So I'm not surprised that something like this happened, uh, especially during COVID-19 when you, you know, you can't really affiliate and you're trying to disassociate yourself uh, from the university as much as you can, but... I am a little bit surprised that it happened at Oklahoma, just considering the way it feels like they've wanted to handle COVID-19.
2: Yeah. I can't confirm this, but um, I I think somebody said on Twitter over the weekend that when they got in the stadium, like, highlights from some Texas game recently was playing on the uh, Ah. – John. (laughs) How is that – who did that?
1: Uh, it just magically popped up. Yeah, you know? one of the players must have had the Chromecast. They had the stadium Wi-Fi and Chromecasted it onto uh, onto the scoreboard up there. That, yeah. That's the only explanation. Now, I will I will ask you this, Tyler, because yeah. I've been to, to Gaylord Family Memorial Stadium once in my life. Uh, not for a game. I was actually driving up, driving through to go to Lawrence for a Kansas basketball game. And I just stopped off the side of the highway, went to Norman. I'd never seen the stadium. I wanted to go see it. And it was during the academic year. It was during the spring, but it was during school at Oklahoma. And I was able to walk into the stadium no problem. And they actually had the stadium open for students, I guess, to walk mm-hmm. from campus to the off campus dorms. I don't know exactly to and from where they were going, but there were a bunch of people walking through, not like on the field, but walking through uh, the stadium concourses. Is that a normal thing up there? Like maybe Oklahoma could try to play that card and say, no, 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 we always leave the stadium open. Uh, It's always there for students to walk through. Whenever campus is open, we have the football field area open. So we we really had no idea that this was happening.
2: They are going to play that card. And the way that I understand it, yes, I believe when I've randomly have been by the stadium, like on a weekday or something, it's the... Southeast corner, there's normally like a giant gate open. Like the coaching staff, from from what I remember, they like park inside the stadium. So those gates are just like open and they can just like, you know, people can just like walk in, whatever. So, yes, that is the car that they're going to play. Now, I was in, God, was I in Austin? I think I was in Austin for a UT basketball game. Or no, maybe I was in Austin for, yeah, I was in Austin for a bachelor party. And we tried, me and my buddy tried to sneak in the stadium. I'll just tell you flat out. We had snuck into Floyd Casey Stadium in Waco because some bars were bent and we're there able to fit through. But we tried to sneak into DKR. And we got through one portion of the stadium, but DKR is like locked up so tight that, you I mean, you can't, you can't get into the stands. You can't get out on the field like yeah. it is. Trust me, I looked at this. It is impossible <laughs> to get on the field. At DKR. So yeah, I mean OU's is situated interestingly, like right in the middle of campus, like right on campus. So that is the card that they're gonna play. And to my understanding, yes, it it normally is open like that. So they can just come, you
1: know, pretty freely. So actually throwing the football and throwing the frisbee on the field there. And there were a couple (laughs) of other students doing that too. And then we got told not to. There were signs on the field that's like, "Don't, don't be on the field." And we were like, "Ah, to hell with it, man! This is awesome. We're, we're playing on the OU field right now. Finally, we got kicked out." But. Yeah, that's funny you say that. But I, I don't know if anybody really cared about Floyd Casey Stadium that much, Tyler. I don't know if they were trying to keep that safe or protect yeah, that from no. anything.
2: They were. They were hoping that uh, we would burn it down for insurance purposes. Yeah. <laughs> they just wanted the, insur- the insurance money.
1: Yeah, get McLean Stadium opened a little bit sooner. But I will. I will say this. Uh, I, I think there's going to be something from the NCAA that puts the kibosh on this whole idea sooner rather than later. Yeah. And I mean, I, if I'm any recruit anywhere right now, I'm looking at what OU did this weekend. I'm looking at what Caleb Williams put together and I'm like, oh, let's do this. Let's let's get one of these going at my school, right? Why not? Yeah. But like I, I think it's going to become a thing where the NCAA catches wind and is like, all right, we we can't have they'll probably use the pandemic as an excuse, but they're gonna shut this thing down before it can become a big time trend, I would think. So whether you think it's legal or illegal, I think it's very fishy. Uh, but, you know, I'm, I'm all for kids trying to recruit other kids to their campus and, and putting together a weekend like that seems like a great idea. But uh, I, I do think something's going to have to come out and shut this down just to try to limit the spread of the pandemic, but maybe more importantly for the NCAA's sake to try to limit any potential recruiting violations going on across the country. And if it's not the NCAA, it does it. Maybe it's like the university compliance department's that are like, hey, we can't allow for anything like this to happen. I mean, how about the most
2: random of random people, though? A Texas Tech quarterback from 17 years ago coming off the top rope, though. Like, I I don't consider OU and Texas Tech rivals at all. Um, Nobody cares about your Big 12 titles when you get dogged every year in the playoffs and embarrass the conference. I'm like,
1: Dude, I don't even know where that came I'm from. I'm telling you. Oh, I'm sure he, no. would, he would love Texas Tech to be getting dogged in the college football playoffs. <laughs> right. I'm sure he would take that in a heartbeat.
2: I, I will say this in B.J. Simmons' defense. like You cannot say anything negative about OU on Twitter or just a mask. Masquer- like, maybe more than any other fan base in the conference, They just swarm and attack and attack and attack. Whoa, we've got all the Big 12 titles. Yeah, yeah. like if Brian Carrington, what is he, the recruiting coordinator for Texas? Mm -hmm. If he tweets out anything that could be in any resemblance, shaded OU, oh God, OU fans come at him in in droves and just try to uh, totally punk him. So yeah, I mean, the OU fan base on Twitter is one that can easily be riled
1: up, but B.J. Simmons threw a haymaker with that tweet right there. Yeah, I mean, any fan base would get riled up. Dude, the Kansas football fan base would get riled up if someone's coming in that hot at them. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm sure Texas gives OU a run for its money when it comes to Twitter trash talk and and rabidness on the Internet. But, no, you're right. I mean, Oklahoma, maybe more than any team in this conference, got good fans, man. They got a lot of fans, and they're crazy, and they're passionate, and uh, they're all over it, so – yeah, I'm with you. And uh, Oklahoma's got trash to talk the way they've dominated this league since its inception, but especially over the last five years. There's uh there's always plenty of haymakers that the Sooners can throw. But yeah, when somebody else goes back at them, they're uh they're ready to clap back. They're ready to go anytime, anywhere. That was pretty funny. That was a nice surprise uh over the weekend. I'm glad BJ is is doing well. At least I think he's doing well. I didn't know this until
2: like last week randomly. Do you know like he started one year at tech? You know, he tore his ACL in the middle of the year and just said, nah, I'm good. Just I'm just going keep, to keep playing. And he played every single game through the rest of the year. Like tore his ACL celebrating a touchdown in the middle of the year and then just said, whatever, I'm just playing the rest of the year. It's my last year. Probably oh.
1: not going to play in the NFL. Let's roll. That's amazing that they let him do that. <laughs> that would never happen in today's no. college football. At any level of today's football, that would never happen. But I didn't realize that. So what, he go Gramatica? He went Gus Verrott like he heard himself celebrating? I Yeah, I guess so. Oh. Uh,
2: maybe not as embarrassing as Gramatica. That's probably the most embarrassing thing ever by anybody, including kickers. Hmm. So, I yeah, just I, – I, I mean, you can take the ACL out. I mean, you can do that, I believe. But, yeah, I think he just said – Take it out, and let's just roll. That's and they correct. went 8-5 and won a bowl game that year. So that's a crap. I, I guess it was the right decision. I don't know. He looks like a badass.
1: I'll tell you that. Tell him that story 17 years later. Hell, yeah. I'm sure he's going full Uncle Rico from Napoleon Dynamite with that story, man. Yeah. He's, he's milking that thing. He probably should, too. That's, that's pretty cool. One final thing before we get to our two-team previews
2: here. Brett McMurphy of Stadium tweeted out over the weekend, that Big 12 Commissioner Bob Bowlesby told Chip Brown of 247 Sports covers the University of Texas, if there is no football in the fall at Big 12 schools, quote, it's likely there will not be any sports played for the entire 2020-2021 academic year, quote, based on what I've heard from our campuses. So, wow, that really has made it rounds over the weekend but it's likely if there's no football in the fall big 12 schools there will be there will uh, not be any sports played for the entire academic year Jeez, that hits you like a ton of bricks
1: yeah no doubt now i i appreciate bob bullsby being honest from a football perspective right like i i think it's a total facade i think it's a total joke that the big 10 and the pack 12 and the mountain west and all the conferences that canceled fall football are thinking about planning a spring season. I think that is a joke. I just think they were trying to soften the blow of the crazy news that they dropped when they announced their decision a couple of weeks ago. I don't think there's any possible way that you can play two college football seasons in one calendar year. I mean, if you're trying to to at least give off the impression that you care about the players and you care about their safety and their health, there's no way you could play two college football seasons in one year. Yeah. So I appreciate Bob Bolsby from a football perspective saying – If we're not playing in the fall, we're not playing football in the spring as well. And then the rest of that, I mean, that is huge. I mean, that is a bump being dropped by Bob Bowlesby. Now, that might be the case in some other conferences across college sports. And, I mean, we all know how important college football is to the landscape of athletic departments across the country, right, from a revenue perspective. I mean, college basketball programs, some college basketball programs, like very few are profitable, right? Some of them across the country make money for the universities, but every other Division 1 sport loses money. The only reason those sports can happen is because college football is being played at a, such a revenue monster, especially amongst the Power 5 conferences. So, they bring in so much money for the rest of the teams and for the university as a whole, but especially for the rest of the athletic teams that yeah, if you can't recoup any of the money Uh, by playing a college football season. Maybe there's just no way to play any of the other sports this year at all. I hadn't thought about that too much, Tyler. I kind of figured there was a way to make that happen for the short term, like just for this year. Maybe there was enough money saved to where they could find a way to play some of the spring sports and actually have a season, uh, at least in some of those sports. But uh, according to Bullsby, I don't know if it's just lip service. I don't know if he's trying to make it seem like, hey, we got to have football. We got to make sure this thing goes off scot-free. Or if this is a a real thing that's being talked about in this league and maybe across uh, the other P5 leagues as well.
2: Look, I I want college football as much as anybody, no doubt. Um, But not having another NCAA tournament would suck this year, man. I mean, in my opinion, it is the best postseason of any sport that's out there. It doesn't – maybe not doesn't have the greatest regular season because of that, but the postseason, are you kidding me? Hmm. All teams are in, upsets galore. Uh, You better win this game or it's completely out. It's definitely not the best postseason to determine who the best team is, but it is the most entertaining, man. And, And not to have it for the second year in a row would not only suck, but it might damage college basketball for a very, 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 very long time, man.
1: Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, I know there's at least a couple of Big 12 programs who are still pissed that this year's NCAA tournament oh, got yeah. canceled. I mean, you had two number one seats in this yeah. conference. We never made it to Selection Sunday. But, I mean, Kansas was going to be the number one overall seat in this thing, and Baylor was probably going to be a number one seat as well. Those are two legit national championship contenders who got robbed this year. And then looking at next year, I mean, Baylor is probably your preseason number one. We already
2: saw one uh, poll uh, that – what was it, Jeff Goodman's poll that had them number
1: one? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they are – they've got everybody back, and they've got a great recruiting class as well. They actually have the number one recruiting class for next year. Those guys aren't on campus. So, I mean, Scott Drew has already done magnificent work in Waco, continues to have that train rolling. Uh, They were legit national championship contenders this year. And, you know, Kansas is always a legit contender. They lost a lot with Dotson and Nazibuke heading off to the pros – But still, I mean, there's always talented teams in this league, and they got robbed last year, and there's an opportunity that they'll get robbed again this year. That is a a huge bummer. So hopefully we don't go down that road, Tyler. Hopefully the Big 12 can have a college football season. Uh, That's obviously the plan as of right now. We're 19 days away from kickoff of the first Big 12 games, that September 12th weekend. Uh, Hopefully this thing can go off without a hitch or without a lot of hitches, uh, and that will allow the other student athletes to – to participate in their sports in the winter and in the spring.
2: Uh, again, we are 19 days away from kickoff, so we kind of need to do some team previews because football mm-hmm. is kind of at our doorstep right here. So let's go ahead and do that. We're going to start off with the preseason number 10 and preseason number nine teams in the conference. And let's start with the Kansas Jayhawks. Only nine returning starters this year, six on offense, three on defense. Carter Stanley, who had a pretty solid year. I mean, Maybe the best year a KU quarterback has had since Todd Reesing, maybe. Nice Uh year last year for uh, Carter Stanley. He is gone, but they've got skill position talent, man. They really do. Andrew Parchment was a a Big 12 all-first teamer. Puka Williams is back as well, one of the better running backs in the league. That's KU's strong point this year Uh is their starters at wide receiver and Puka Williams at running
1: back. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I mean, and God, you – You know, you make an interesting point about Carter Stanley. I'm trying to think. So I'm a Kansas fan, and I watch every Kansas football game every year. I don't know why I do. Uh, People question that. They question a lot of my life decisions, and I totally understand, especially considering that I watch every KU football game every season. But I'm waiting. I'm hopeful. I'm optimistic that uh, they can finally turn things around, and I don't want to be the bandwagoner, right? I don't want to be the guy who hops on when they finally are relevant again, if they are ever relevant again. But, yeah, I mean, at times, Carter Stanley looked really good last year. You think of the Texas game here in Austin, yeah. he pulled out, and, and the Jayhawks had that game won, right? Dick of the kicker, a field goal at the last second to give Texas the win and prevent the Longhorns from losing to the Hawks for the second time in the last five years. That would have been absolutely <laughs> insane. Uh, but, yeah, at times he looked good, but he was frustrating as hell. But, man, I mean, he, he he's probably better than anything they have this year. But you're right. I mean, there are some talented, skill position players, Puka Williams, one of the best running backs in the country. Uh, you mentioned Andrew Parchment. Stephon Robinson was the second team All-Big 12 last year at the end of the season. He's really, really good on the outside too. So there are some weapons for Kansas, which is weird to say, but there are some guys who are good enough at the skill positions who could start at some of the other teams uh, across this league. And Les Miles has actually recruited decently well. And, and I'll give Les Miles a lot of credit, like, He's doing, at least at the start of his Kansas career, what David Beatty promised when he took over in Lawrence a few years ago. Like David Beatty was talking about how, you know, I'm going to build this thing the right way. I'm going to build this thing the right way. I'm going to recruit. I'm not going to do what Charlie Weiss did and just go to the JUCOs and try to have all these short-term patchwork fixes. I'm actually going to build this program. I know it's going to take a while, but I got to do this thing the right way. Beatty did that for like a year, and then he's like, no, you know what? I need a win to save my job, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go to the JUCO ranks. I'm gonna say to hell with recruiting. I'm just gonna try to do all these temporary fixes that I possibly can. That didn't work, and Kansas, you could argue, is in even a worse spot uh, when David Beatty left than when he took over. So, Les Miles, I like the way he's trying to build the program right now. Three wins last year, which I mean, that's as good as it gets for Kansas. They haven't won more than four games since 2009. Uh, so, you know, a- anytime they win a game in this conference. That is awesome, and they were able to do that last year against Texas Tech. It's going to be tough sledding, though. I mean, the Jayhawks are still a couple of years away from, from any sort of, of bowl contention. Uh, they've got some talented pieces to work with, but yeah, o- overall, I mean, the, the talent level on this team compared to any of the other nine teams in this conference, there's, uh, there's still a decent drop-off, no doubt.
2: By the way, this is In Defense of the Big 12 with Tyler McComas and Brad Kellner. Go check out LandryFootball.com as a housing station for all of our shows. we got a great Big Ten show, great SEC show as well. we got all of the conferences covered. And for a look at the game of football from a coaching, scouting, and administrative perspective, go to LandryFootball.com today. From high school, college to the NFL, from recruiting to the NFL draft to free agency, from pregame to postgame film analysis – to all the inside scoop on players, teams, coaches, and schemes, LandryFootball.com is your source for all things football. So if KU is in a little bit of a track meet this year, which they're bound to be in a couple games this year, they, they could be okay uh, depending on how good the quarterback play is. But, man, I feel like this KU team, they're going to give up points this year, and they are going to give up points in bunches. Not a good defense last year. They gave up 225 yards uh, on the ground per game last year. That was 124th in the country, 122nd nationally in total defense, and just three starters coming back from that defense. Bryce Tornaden is gone, who seems like he was there for about six years. <sighs> but uh, yeah, I, KU defensively, they got, they, they got a long way to go, man. Long yeah. Way to yeah. Go. And this is a bad year in the conference. I know that Max Duggan, we talked about him earlier in the episode, but with all the returning quarterback production in this league, it's a bad year to be... That on defense. Yeah.
1: I mean, they, they gave up 36 and a half points per game last year. I think there's a good chance they give up more than that this year. They've got a couple of pieces. Corion Harris is a really, really talented corner. Uh, I think it was a four star recruit coming out of high school. Surprised a lot of people when he committed to Kansas. But yeah, they did lose a lot on that back end, a lot on the defense overall. And once again, it wasn't a very good defense the season to go. Uh, not a lot of returning talent on that side of the football. They're going to have their work cut out for them for sure. And the question is, I mean, first of all, the question is for Kansas, can they get revenge against Coastal Carolina? Uh, that is the non-conference game for the Jayhawks this year at Memorial Stadium in Lawrence. Last year, the debut for Les Miles, game one of the 2019 season, Coastal Carolina came in and beat Kansas 12-7. to 7. I mean, they field-goaled the Jayhawks to death. It was uh, as frustrating of a game as you could possibly watch. So can Kansas get some revenge Uh, Against Coastal Carolina. And if they lose that game, Tyler, which I'd like to think that they won't, but if they lose that game, uh, the question becomes will the Jayhawks win any game this year? Because they're going to be the underdog in all nine of their Big 12 games this season. I know they beat Texas Tech last year. Uh, But that game is in Lubbock this year, and you know Tech is going to be hungry and ready to go after uh, the embarrassment that they suffered and, God, what a wild finish there was to that one last year in Lawrence. So, yeah, I mean, Kansas better win that game against Coastal. Otherwise, they could be looking at a winless season. And I am curious with the quarterback play, right? They've got Thomas McVitie in the transfer from Pitt. He is a senior, so he's been around, and he's been in the program for a couple of years now. Miles Kendrick, a Juco guy, is there too. I mean, can any of those guys be – decently productive, productive enough to uh, put up points in this league, which is all about putting up points, and also to make up for uh, the defensive woes that we both expect Kansas to have this year.
2: Yeah, I would say that they're going to win one conference game this year. You mentioned the Tech win last year. They beat TCU the year before. They got TCU and Lawrence this year. That, that's a game that, I mean, I'd probably pick TCU right now, but I wouldn't be shocked if Kansas just gets hot offensively
1: and beats somebody like a TCU and Lawrence this year. Wouldn't be crazy, yeah. You know uh, the goalposts will come down the 25, <laughs> the twenty five percent capacity in Lawrence, which would be a, a high for them in a number of years. Uh, the goalposts would come down for sure if that does happen. Yeah, I mean you could point to that, I and mean, they play West Virginia on the road this year. But obviously, you look at the teams near the bottom of this conference going into twenty twenty, and you try to pick and choose. Okay, which which team would Kansas have a chance against? They're going to be the underdogs in all those games. Maybe. Yeah, Puka Williams can go for two hundred against somebody, and uh, Kansas can keep somebody in the twenties defensively. They've got a shot to to pull one off this year. It, it
2: was fun. I think it was on a Friday night last year when they went up to Chestnut Hill, Massachusetts, and just destroyed Boston College. Oh, yeah, uh, by twenty four. That was not the first road win since like at UTEP in two thousand nine, something yeah, like that. That was but incredible. The following week. The following week when they played West Virginia at home, like, dude, like you you say that you watch every single KU game. God bless you for that. Nice. But I was locked into a KU West Virginia game on September 21st last year. Like honest to God, I was like, is KU gonna start off like three and one this year? And it ended up being a pretty dadgum good football game with KU having a chance there at the end to win it.
1: Yeah, no, there's no doubt about it. I mean, people were excited. People were optimistic after that beatdown at Chestnut Hill. I mean, nobody saw that coming. Boston College was a 20-point favorite in that game. And Kansas, I mean, they were 3-5 and to start the year. So, like, there was a, a chance, okay, maybe they could crash the bowl party this season, especially, you know, with all the bowls now and you've got five win teams finding ways to get into bowls in college football these days. They actually had a sellout uh, this year or last year, which is remarkable. Like the first home sellout they've had in a decade, people were kind of excited for Kansas football. So I don't know what the excitement level is this year. Uh, I think people's expectations were brought down to earth with the way the season came to a close last year. I mean, they were getting destroyed down the stretch in prime Kansas fashion, but maybe Les Miles can, uh, can be the right guy to turn this thing around a couple of years down the road, and my guess is his goal is to just make a bowl game. Oh yeah, Before his tenure in Lawrence is over because he's in his sixties, right? I mean, he's not there for the long term. Yeah. I don't know if he's there for five years, six years, whatever. But just find a way to get Kansas back to a bowl game and set up the next guy to where okay, they're at least they're at least flirting with five hundred every year.
2: Hey, we we're uh we're hoping that you're watching us on Twitch right now. Um if you're not, you can catch us every two or excuse me, every Monday morning at 10 a.m. Central, every Thursday morning at 10 a.m. Central. You can catch us on Twitch at twitch.tv backslash Chris Landry Football. And you can listen to this podcast on your mobile device by signing up for Landry Football's conference call wherever you get your podcast. So be sure and check out ours as well as the Other college football-centric podcasts we have as well as we go to the Texas Tech Red Raiders. And, uh, boy, what's the big question with Tech this offseason? Can Alan Bowman stay healthy? Uh, Another collapsed lung? Surely, if he has his third collapsed lung in three years, and I hope this isn't the case. Maybe we're talking about the end of his football career. But as far as Tech goes this year, it's it's how healthy Alan Bowman stays because I think that just naturally gifted arms – Alan Bowman's at the top of this list in this conference, man. Yeah, he's
1: really, really talented. And excuse me, you know, I, I'm no doctor. I'm the furthest thing from a doctor ever. I hear collapsed lung, and I think, dude, that's <laughs> that's terrible. Like, <laughs> one of those to me is like, all right, maybe maybe you should never play football ever again if something like that happens. Like, I feel like if I suffered a collapsed lung, I'd be like, all right, no, thank yeah, you. Yeah, I'm done. I'm out. I am out. But uh, credit to Alan Bowman and maybe a guy who has a, a future Sunday career. Uh, if, if things work out, if he can stay healthy, number one, but if he if he can develop and, and, and progress from the things that we saw from him last year and more specifically two years ago, you know, I'm a big Matt Wells fan. I'm a big Matt Wells fan, Tyler. I, I think the jury is still out for him. I mean, four and eight in year one, I don't know if he was the sexiest hire in the world coming over from Utah state, mm-hmm. but I had the opportunity to speak with Matt Wells at big 12 media days last year up in Arlington. I really liked what he brought to the table. I also liked what he did at Utah State a ton. And I think maybe more of my faith in Matt Wells has to do with Kirby Hokut, who is just the Midas man when it comes to making hires, right? I mean, Tim Tadlock for baseball has been incredible. Obviously what Chris Beard has done with the basketball program has been nothing short of magnificent. Both of those guys have been phenomenal hires. I'm just giving him the benefit of the doubt uh, with with this Matt Wells hire here too. So yeah, the question is, Alan Bowman, and there's no more Jet Duffy, right? Jet Duffy was a serviceable backup who gave Ooh. Texas Tech a chance to win a lot of games. Very inconsistent, very hot and cold. That guy was uh, such a weapon, especially with his feet, that you know he you couldn't take him lightly, and Texas Tech was still serious any time they played. Uh, and uh, We saw that no- numerous times last year, but we'll see what happens with Alan Bowman. I like Sir Roderick Thompson, the running back, the sophomore who burst out onto the scene as a freshman. He's really, really talented there, too. Some weapons on the outside. T.J. Vasher's really, really good. I think he's good. Feels like he's been there for a long, long time, coming up on his senior season. So, yeah, Tech on offense. I think they'll put up points if Bowman can stay healthy. It's the question always with Texas Tech, right? What's that defense going to look like? Hey, you know, I think ultimately in Matt Wells' tenure, it's going to be better than what we saw from Cliff Kingsbury defenses. But do they have the personnel in year two uh, to to have that defense serviceable? and to be competitive enough to win games in this league, that's the that's the biggest question for me. How about this number?
2: 8.68%. Almost 9% of the time when opponents were throwing the football against Texas Tech, it was going for 30 yards or more. Almost 9% of the time somebody's putting the ball up in the air, it's going for 30 yards or more. So... That number has to get a lot better. They do have eight returning starters on defense. A lot of familiar names. Eli Howard's been there a long time. Rico Jeffers at linebacker has been there for a long time. But, you know, they had the 127th ranked defense last year. They've really never played good defense in Lubbock, so we don't expect that to change. But you're right about T.J. Vasher, man. A a big, a long body that can go up and make a whole lot of plays. I expect a, a really nice year for him. And I'll tell you this about Alan Bowman, man. I was in Lubbock in 2018 season, and they had OU on the ropes at halftime. Yep. In fact, I think Texas Tech wins that game if Alan Bowman doesn't go out uh, just before the half with that first collapsed lung that he has. I, I think that Texas Tech probably wins that game because OU couldn't stop him that night. Jet Duffy goes in, and you know the Tech offense wasn't very good in the second half, but We've seen just how electric their offense can be if he's in there, he and that T.J. Vasher connection. They can finish better than ninth in this conference this year. I think that they're going to be better than Kansas. And now, maybe I'm crazy to say it, I think Tech could be better than even a TCU now. TCU or even a what? If all things go right, I think Tech could finish Sixth in this conference this year. But everything has to go right for them this, this
1: Right, year. yeah. Alan Bowman's health is the biggest question for sure. I mean, if he stays healthy for all 10 games this year, then yeah, Tech has a shot to finish in that middle tier of teams in this league versus uh, one of the bottom feeders. They're projected to finish ninth by the media this year. So Alan Bowman's health will play a huge part in that. And the Tech defense, they did... It's weird to say only because this is not a good number, but for them, this is a good number. They only gave up 30 points per game last year. Hey! I mean, there were years when Cliff was there when they were giving up 42, 43 points per, year, uh, points per game like it was nothing. So they did take a little bit of a step last year. Uh, they do have, I think, seven or eight returning starters on defense, so maybe yeah. they could be a little bit better this season. Uh, so, yeah, they've got a shot. I mean I, – They've got a shot. I don't know what bowl season is going to look like this year. I'm not sure anybody really knows what bowl season is going to look like this year. In a normal year, if you were playing 12 games and six got you to the postseason, then I think Texas Tech would find a way to get six somehow, some way. Um, But this year, you know, we'll we'll obviously wait and see how that looks. But yeah, I'm with you. I, I think there's a chance. I mean, they could be better than West Virginia. That's a game they have in Lubbock this year. The TCU games in Fort Worth, it seems like whenever these, these two teams get together, though, it comes down to the very last second. There's always yeah. fireworks when the Red Raiders and Horned Frogs get after it. So maybe that's a game that they can win as well. I am curious. I mean, the first conference game for Texas Tech is against Texas. It's in Lubbock. Now, the Red Raiders haven't beaten Texas in Lubbock since the Crabtree game. Sorry, Texas fans, for bringing up that memory. But, you know, I mean, Tech has won a couple of times here in Austin since then, but they have not beaten Texas in Lubbock in more than a decade. Can they end that curse? Can they end that drought this year? We're going to learn a lot, I think, about Texas Tech. Like, are they competitive? I don't think they're going to win that game against Texas, but can they play Texas close? Can they be competitive in that game? Maybe that'll give us some signs that, okay, maybe Texas Tech can be a middle-of-the-pack team in this league and could play spoiler time or two down the road. Uh, I'm curious what they look like. I'm curious what Alan Bowman looks like in that game too. Um, you mentioned the
2: 08 Texas Tech, uh, Texas Tech. Shout uh, out, Blake! Joined the Blake Blake for too soon, too soon for Blake on, Gideon, two thousand eight Texas, you know, Texas Tech Joker. Thankfully,
1: thankfully uh, you were freezing there and you were lagging a little bit, so I didn't have to hear that one in real time. <laughs> uh, but uh, yes, it'll always be too soon for a for a Blake Gideon. Well, what, what I was going like, to say old. though
2: um, is, you mentioned that that game and it was at night, obviously in, in Tech One, and I always hear like, well. You don't want to go to Lubbock at night. Oh, my God, Lubbock at night is a really tough place to play. I mean, I guess, but damn, that's the last time that Texas Tech won a big football game at night in Lubbock was when Texas went out there because I can't remember any other time when Tech had a scary night game in Lubbock, Texas, and they didn't come away without losing the thing.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, nothing comes to mind off the top of my head. And they haven't been playing a whole lot of night games in recent years, right? I mean, because they've been in around 500 team since Mike Leach left. So the primetime games, usually reserved. I mean, nowadays, they're putting primetime games at 11 a.m. I guess but I mean, like, home games in general. I don't yeah.
2: remember any, like, big home wins they've had since, like, 2008.
1: Man, I'm just – I'm doing a quick rundown of their, of their recent schedule and trying to find anybody big that they've beaten at home. And there's – doesn't feel like there's a lot out there. I mean, even when Patrick Mahomes was there, they weren't uh, they weren't upsetting teams at home too often. So, yeah, that's a good point. That's they won point. one conference home game last. No, did they win a conference home game last year? They did, they they won won, one, they won
2: one. They beat Oklahoma State last year, who was unranked at the time. Yikes. Yeah,
1: you know, Matt Wells has his work cut out for him. Like uh, Cliff Kingsbury fell up, right? He gets fired from Texas Tech and somehow finds his way with the Arizona Cardinals. I mean, it's all about offense these days in the NFL, and he's a great offensive mind. Uh, But uh, yeah, Matt Wells didn't walk into the best of situations. And I think, you know, year one wasn't great. At four and eight, I saw some things I liked from Texas Tech. think they've got some talented pieces and i think wells is going to win the recruiting battles a lot but yeah it's going to take a couple of years for them to to get back to anywhere close to what mike leach was able to pull off there there's no doubt and and i am you know i should mention you mentioned eli howard rico jeffers is really really good i think we should mention him potential first team all big 12 candidate at the end of the season really really good linebacker uh he's a good player curious what this defense looks like for a number of reasons obviously they lose the first round pick in jordan brooks who It surprised a lot of people by being a first-round pick. But I think today in the NFL, they love those Big 12 type of linebackers, right? Those fast, rangy, sideline-to-sideline guys who can also help out coverage a little bit. That's sort of the way the NFL is going. They're kind of becoming more of the Big 12 uh, in recent years. So, you know, what is this defense? They've got eight returning starters, but they lose Jordan Brooks. Like, Can they be as good or even better this year without that guy? Or do they kind of go back to normal Texas Tech defense that we're used to?
2: Uh, So that was fun getting a a couple of team previews in KU and Texas Tech. We'll do two more coming up on Thursday's episode. But if you want to know more about KU and Texas Tech, I I guarantee you the best place to find all of that information and the other eight teams in the conference is definitely LandryFootball.com. We're talking high school, college to the NFL, recruiting, NFL draft, free agency, pre-game and post-game film analysis to all the inside scoop on players, teams, coaches, and schemes. LandryFootball.com, I promise you, is your source for all things football. We are four minutes away from the top of the hour, and once the top of the hour hits, the preseason AP poll is going to come out. And the preseason AP poll will have Big Ten and Pac-12 teams in it. And, I mean, whatever, I don't get that, but it's about to be mass chaos as soon as we log off here, man.
1: Yeah, I mean, what's the point of that? Honestly, what is the point of having those teams on there? Like, is there an expectation that they're going to reverse their decision within the next three weeks and all of a sudden play college football? Like, and what's what's the AP poll going to look like during the season? Right. I assume they're going to remove those teams, right? After the first week of actual games are played, they're not going to keep Ohio State number one or number two, are they? What's the point?
2: There is, there is, there is no point. And it's, it's
1: funny. I'm always like, I hate the people who get mad at preseason polls, like, right? Just enjoy it. Just enjoy it. Who cares? Who cares? It's fine. With the playoff now, it has no bearing. It's not going to impact what happens in the overall landscape of college football. Yes, it's for TV ratings. Yes, it's for money. Who the hell cares? It makes games look cooler. It's awesome. Put a number by some teams. I'm all for it. But this year, I'm going to be the guy to complain about it because what's the point of having a preseason poll with teams that aren't even playing this season? Very confusing.
2: Yeah, very very confusing, but here in about two and a half minutes, we're going to find out who that is. We'll talk about that coming up on Thursday's episode. We'll preview two more teams in the conference again. So, hey, we are in defense of the Big 12. Come join us again Thursday at 11 a.m. Central Time. Uh, please help us spread the word. As you can catch us on Chris Landry Twitch channel at twitch.tv backslash chrislandryfootball. And, of course, you can listen to this podcast on your mobile device by signing up for Landry Football's conference call wherever you get your podcast. Final word before we get out of here. Anything crazy in the AP poll that you expect? Um, Oklahoma, Texas, Oklahoma State will be in it. Anybody else in the conference?
1: Yeah, I'm curious if uh, Iowa State cracks the top 25. I think they did in the coaches poll, right? They were number 24 in the coaches poll. So do we get a fourth Big 12 team in that AP top 25? Iowa State, obviously, the, uh, the team to look out for there. All right, he's Brad Kellner in Austin. I'm Tyler McComas
2: in Norman for In Defense of the Big 12. We'll talk to you on Thursday, 11 a.m. Central, right here on Twitch.
0: Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere